back to the AIM podcast. Today we sit down with special guest, CEO of Titan Brands, Austin Speck. Austin has an incredibly powerful and inspiring story. And on this episode, you guys are going to get to hear a lot of his experiences that have shaped him into the person that he is. He dives into the topics of entrepreneurship, leadership, management, and so much more. You guys are going to learn a ton from Austin, and you're going to get to hear more about the incredible brand of Titan Fitness, which is a company that I love so dearly. I have completely decked out my home gym with Titan Fitness because I believe in the company, I believe in the vision, and I absolutely believe in what they're doing to inspire and help people just like this podcast. So let's dive right into this episode. Without further ado, Austin Speck. Austin, thank you so much for coming on the AIM podcast. Awesome, dude. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this episode, man. Not only to hear more about your incredible story, but to hear more about the the brand. Um, Titan is an incredible, incredible brand. I'm super thankful for it. And uh, my whole gym is Titan. I love y'all's equipment. It's the best. I was actually first introduced to y'all's stuff through um, two of my best friends, Brindley and Lucas. There, They have Titan in their gym as well. And so I experienced it through them. And I was like, man, this stuff is like legit. And so coming full circle, man, to have you on the podcast and hear more about you and your story and, and what you guys are doing is really, really special. So thank you so much again for coming on. Man, no problem at all. I'm glad to hear that your entire gym is Titan. <laughs> dude, my mom's rocking it. My friends come over and they're like, dude, this stuff is legit. We, My friend came over. We did a crazy workout yesterday. He was coming through town and we did uh, 20 rounds. We did 100 or sorry, 20 rounds, 10 bench, 135 pound bench, 10 pull-ups, 10 Russian twists each side. So 20 total with uh, the Titan med ball. And dude, it was a crusher, man. <laughs> Sounds like it for sure. <laughs> Let's go. Well, dude, I think, you know, we, we've been super fortunate and blessed to have on some incredible founders and CEOs, um, obviously some really cool guests in other spaces too, but the kind of common theme of our podcast is we like to have on people that have extreme ambition and are using their gifts, their talents, their resources, their experiences to shape mold and impact the people that they're around and to just bring positivity into the world. And so you're obviously doing that at a high level with Titan and, and all the other endeavors that you've been a part of. But before we dive into the things you're currently doing, I think it's super important for the people listening to hear more about your background and the context of how you got to where you are. So I would love to hear more about your upbringing and maybe some of the things that kind of set you on the path to, to become a leader. Yeah, got it. So I guess, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, typical humble beginning story. I uh, grew up in Mississippi, um, you know, uh, kind of a small town in Mississippi outside of Tupelo, uh, which is kind of North Mississippi. It's about an hour and a half from where I live today, right outside of Memphis in Germantown. So not too far from home. Uh, but, you know, I guess my mom and dad, they were both very hard workers. Um, they provided for me and my brother and made sure we didn't, you know, want for anything we were taken care of. Um, so that work ethic is really was really instilled in me at a very early age. And I just saw that growing up and emulated that through really everything that I did in life. Um, my parents did split when we were kind of younger and my mom remarried uh, and my stepdad entered the picture. And he was also a pretty big part of, you know, instilling that work ethic and setting that example. Um, my parents started a construction company when I was about 12. So by age 13, I was legitimately running heavy equipment like bulldozers and excavators and working, you know, 10, 12 hour days. 
um, pretty consistently. So in the summertime uh, during high school, I was, you know, working a full-time job while my other friends were, you know, kind of having fun, getting to enjoy their summers. And um, for me, it was, you know, working 12 hour days and the whole uh, eight hour work day didn't really exist uh, at, at that point. I didn't even really know that that was a thing, uh, you know, at 13, 14, 15 years old. Um, and, you know, it just all kind of grew from there. Uh, the job, the idea was just work to get the job done um, and not, uh, you know, working that eight hour day and then quitting and going home and starting over the next time. I mean, it was literally just we work until the job's done, then we move on to the next thing. So that was a huge part, I think, of, um, you know, getting me to where I am. I feel like I try to work harder every single day uh, than I did the day before. I don't ever think, like, let me outwork someone because, you know, I'm just trying to compete with myself and be the best version of me that I possibly can. And I I do think that I, I probably could or would do outwork most people. But uh, at the same time, I know there are people out there you know, like the the David Goggins of the world who are just crushing it, you know, on a different level. Uh, so just trying not to compare myself to anyone um, and just competing with myself and just making sure that I'm getting better every single day is really what I try to focus on. And I think that's that's been a huge impact to my success. Wow, that's amazing, man. And I appreciate you sharing that. I, I absolutely love hearing the background of some of the people we bring on. And, you know, a question I have for you based off of what you said, and, and I think you and I have a lot of similarities. My mom, one of the most, like, she's the hardest working person I know. And I think growing up and seeing that and getting a chance to, like, be under her leadership growing up, I think was a, had made a huge impact on me. How important do you think it is for people to have mentors or leaders in their life that can kind of set the foundation of their work ethic. Not only, obviously you're going to get a lot of other benefits such as skills and exposure to ways of thinking, but like just pure work ethic, like just getting down in the dirt and just working your butt off. How important do you think it is for people to have that, whether it's their parent, whether it's a coach, whether it's a, you know, an older friend, how important do you think that it has been to your success? And like, what, what kind of advice would you have for people that, you know, maybe you're looking to develop that work ethic and they just need maybe someone leader, a leader to step into their life. I mean, honestly, I think it was uh, crucial to my success to see both of my parents work like that, like they did. And just really, uh, you know, setting that example for me. And as I've grown older, um, you know, even when I first started out in my career, um, it was very much, um, you know, I would go to work and I would show up early. Nobody would be there. I'm cutting the lights on at the office or whatever it is. Uh, and I'm just starting to work. And then, you know, a boss or somebody would come in and be like, man, how long you been here? I'm like, I mean, I just, I've got work to do, you know, where's everybody at, you know, just kind of <laughs> confused. Uh, and then, you know, the at five o'clock, it's like a mass exodus to the parking lot. Everybody's like running out and me, I'm just still, you know, if I have things to finish up or do then I just continue to work on uh, to get ahead for the next day. And, you know, I saw my parents both work like that. Um, so I think that was very, uh, I think that set me up for success and just set me apart from everyone else. Um, and I think, uh, you know, uh, later on in life, I read something where Elon Musk said, you know, uh, I want to work 100 hours a week because most people only work in 40. So what they can do in 10 years, I'll be able to do in four or something like that. Yeah. Uh, some mindset like that. So that's that's some of the things that I keep hearing. And you can see uh, a similar, uh, I guess, strain of success with everyone who has who has worked at a high level and been successful as a high level and this work ethic is kind of key to every single person uh, who has been successful so it's just something you can't ignore um, and also something that you got to push for every single day 100 uh, i really you said something else that really stuck with me i was like man this is something we should talk about 
the idea of like working to get the job done and not working to, you know, clock in, clock out. I think this is something we should hammer because I think there's a lot of people that, you know, maybe for whatever circumstances, just kind of go in and try to, you know, put the time in. But I think if you shift that perspective, you know, I think as humans, I think we discredit ourselves, uh, you know, in the ways that we're, we can be more efficient, in the ways that you we can work harder and smarter to get things done quicker with the same quality, if not better quality of work by just changing a little bit of our perspective. How, how have you been able to kind of implement that whole mindset into your, I guess, process and also kind of let that bleed into the people that you're around? So for me, it's all about setting my day. Um, you know, I've got to start my day off with a routine. Uh, I get to the office early every morning. I get in a workout and then I go through um, this thing is called 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 minutes of gratitude, 10 minutes of reading, and then 10 minutes of just writing out my day with like actual pen and piece of paper. Uh, for me, psychologically, there's just something that is a little more impactful to write it down versus typing it on a screen. I mean, I'm pretty much on my computer all day, every day. So it, it kind of blends. And then the separation to be able to write something down, um, you know, really seems to stick with me a little bit more. Um, so once I do that, uh, those, those 30 minutes there to just kind of set the stage for the day, then I just start executing, um, you know, until, until the job's done for that day. Uh, and I walk around, talk to my team. I'm, I'm able to, uh, you know, really interact with everyone uh, pretty much on a daily basis. I mean, there are some days that I'm just completely slammed and, you know, I'm, I may not leave my office or forget to eat lunch or whatever, but for the most part, I try to be very, very efficient with my weeks. Um, so where Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday are pretty much packed, I kind of get the major stuff for the week out of the way, Thursday, Friday, or uh, my days to really catch up um, and to give myself a breather because the worst feeling in the world is to leave on a Friday and feel like you didn't get everything done. For sure. Um, so I really try to slam Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to make sure that I get the most important things done that week. That way, Thursday and Friday are kind of set aside to tackle the things that you know may pop up during the week or that I might need to just catch up on. Yeah, that's awesome. And I appreciate you sharing that that tactic that you implement. I think people listening can probably implement that and find more success. So kind of jumping back into your story, the timeline here. So you grew up, you have this incredible just presence of two hardworking parents in the picture that are kind of helping you just understand just the basics, the ground floor and the foundation of hard work and what that means. Then you take it to apply it to that first kind of job experience of working construction and, and seeing that kind of build you and mold you into the person you're becoming. What is kind of that next phase for you? Because I think um, that'd be super interesting even before Titan. I know there's some other things that you probably done in that time period. What are some other things that you, you know, were able to do and, and kind of how did that shape where you are today? So I guess, you know, fast forward, uh, high school, I, uh, had a small stint where I played, uh, some golf for junior college and then went to college. And then, uh, I actually had, uh, my son, so I'm 36 and he's about to be 16. So do the math there. I was, uh, 20 when he was born. So that fast forwarded my life pretty quickly to where I didn't have a choice, but to figure it out and to just continue to work hard. So, um, first job again, now I've got somebody else to provide for. So it really came full circle to see what my parents had to go through when we were younger. Um, again, you don't get the luxury of the eight to five if you're trying to provide and put food on the table. You you work to you know make money and uh, and all that. And I always told myself um, in my mind, like kind of what what is your why? That's one of the things that that I was kind of uh, forced to sit down and think about when I first started my career. 
Um, and mine was always, I want my son to be able to go to the college of his choice, not the one that I can afford. Wow. So that really led me to really push hard to be, Hey, I, I want to set up uh, every opportunity that you could possibly have um, for you. And you work hard, you know, you put in the effort kind of one of my worst fears would be, let's say he got into a Stanford or Harvard and I'm like, ah, we can't go because we can't afford it. Sure. Um, you know, it's just limiting, uh, you know, that hard work that he may put in. But, you know, fortunately, uh, I just kind of took that mindset and just continued to work. I started out in uh, wealth management, um, kind of first career, um, learned that I was pretty good at sales and, and you know, reading numbers and, and the finance side of it. So really got into the corporate side of development and leadership, uh, really grew my uh, career from that point. I made partner at 25, which I was the youngest partner uh, promoted in the South kind of region that I was in. Um, and that really propelled my career to just continue to compound on that success and bring people in and kind of tell that story. And people like, you know, just enjoyed following that. And uh, we just crushed it every single day. Uh, fast forward to my next kind of career move. I, I got into organizational development and consulting um, for myself, actually. I decided that working for yourself is a lot more profitable than working for somebody else. Sure, um, in sure. most in most instances. So I uh, started consulting, consulted for, you know, call it a dozen companies. Then Titan was the last one I consulted for. The owner of Titan was like, hey, what if I made you the next CEO here? And I was like, well, that sounds like a, a good plan. So um, here we are. That's what led me to Titan. Let's go, man. That's incredible. Yeah. It's like you've, you've gotten to experience a lot of really interesting but also you yeah, had different uh, opportunities that have all led you to this point. And I think that's, you know, for anyone listening, that's, I think some of the coolest things that the seasons that we go through can all lead up to the thing that we're currently doing. And it's like, the important thing is to learn and grab as much as you can outside of like work ethic. What would you say are some like really positive lessons that you learned um, in your time prior to stepping into this role as CEO at Titan that have kind of shaped you and, and allowed you to become a successful leader? I think uh, people skills and just meeting people at their certain level is key to having success, uh, really good success at, at a leadership level. Um, you have to know that uh, it's unrealistic to think that you can push other people as hard as you push yourself unless they show you that that's what they want. I think that's how leaders get bad reps, bad names, because they come in, you know, and as the CEO of a company, I cannot expect someone who um, you know, is, is, has that hourly mindset, you know, from the eight to five, I cannot expect to push them as hard as I push myself. I mean, if that was the case, then why aren't they the CEO, you know? Sure. So, um, I, I've just had to keep that in mind and meet people, like I said, where they are, um, and then just try to pull the most potential that I possibly can out of them for what they are trying to achieve in life. Um, I think a lot of people just get this mindset of, oh, they're not working hard. Well, for them, they're working as hard as they possibly can. Um, and to have the expectation that every single person needs to work as hard as you, uh, you'll probably be left with not many employees at that point. That makes sense. It, it really does. You know, I read a book. Um, I don't know how much of a basketball fan you are. Coach K, I grew up in Raleigh, so I was a huge Duke basketball fan. And Coach K has a book about leadership. So that probably has a couple. But one of the chapters was all about how good, good leaders are able to motivate and encourage people in different ways and you can't like good people good leaders know the people that they're working or, or leading and so some people need to be pushed and some people you know you can kind of push the gas a little bit and say look i know you're capable of more like 
let's work, let's do it. Some people, like you're saying, you know, might not be at that level. So you have to, you have to learn how to communicate and lead those as well. And so I think sounds like that's kind of what you're, you're illustrating here is just like learning how to work with different types of people, knowing that we're all in different places and that, you know, you can always improve no matter how good or how, you know, wherever your starting point is, but having to kind of meet people where they are to, to get that improvement. You know, you can't just jump to the top knowing that there's a gap you have to fill. Right. And for people that, you know, I guess make it to my direct team that are my direct reports, the expectation is way different. You know, like I do expect them to work um, as hard as they possibly can put in the hours and we work till the job's done. And I also expect them to, you know, lead their team uh, to try to get to that level um, but again, you have to know wherever person's at, you never know what someone's dealing with in their life and it could be a bad season for them and you need to kind of, I guess, love them through it, um, and not just write them off. Uh, because I mean, there are some diamonds in the rough that people, you know, they get written off pretty quickly because you never know what someone's dealing with in their life and they just might need, you know, a little care at that point, And then they will be loyal to you forever. As long as you you know, take care of them through that rough time, and then they'll give you everything that they possibly have from that point forward. So for sure, just, know, just knowing those things, uh, I think really um, help as well. No, I love that. That makes a ton of sense. I want to, I want to dive into more about leadership. But before I do that, you talked about you, again, just keep kind of working through your timeline. You're, you're now working for yourself. You're, uh, you're learning how to consult and provide value to, to different businesses. And you come across Titan, Right. And so you start working with them. You see this path forward to potentially become their CEO. What was it specifically about Titan, though, that drew you in, that attracted you to the opportunity and uh, just made you want to think, you know, consider it and ultimately step into that that uh, opportunity? So I saw Titan as just an incredible opportunity. I mean, taking my background, I mean, I, I did play sports. I, I work out, you know, I love equipment. I knew about Titan equipment. And then also um, my background of working in heavy machinery, you know, Titan Brands is the parent company. And we have four different uh, operating companies underneath it. And one just so happens to be tractor attachments for skid steers and stuff like that. So just the eclectic background of products, um, the marketing side, the technology side, and then also the organizational development that needed to be done. I just saw it really as an opportunity um, as a company who's just ready to take off. Um, that just needed that extra push. Um, and I just knew in my heart that that was something that I could do and provide that value for the company. And I mean, it's, it's, it's proven to, you know, we've Titans done very well over the past few years. Um, and I give credit to a lot of the the team here and the leadership, um, you know, that's able to just buy in and execute. For sure. When, and when did you step in as the CEO of Titan? So I started working for Titan. I guess my first day consulting was in 2019, probably September 2019. Uh, and then I officially became the CEO in June of 2020. Wow. That's awesome, man. That's that's a that's a quick turnaround. Right. That, it, was, uh, it, it was very quick, you know. So um, again, work ethic and just making the decisions that needed to be made uh, and taking care of the people was, I think, key to to propelling me to that position. That's incredible. It's been fun. I, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to meet a few of the team members through, uh, you know, setting this all up and, and getting to know the brand. And um, I can I can confidently say that I can see how much of an impact you've had on their lives as well as I'm sure they're impacting yours. And it's, it's really special when you can see a team that's working hard together and you can feel a genuine, authentic vision that they're all pursuing versus just showing up to clock in. You know, I can I can sense that you guys have a very different culture at Titan. Right. 
think, you know, one of the things I think that gets overlooked in leadership is kind of that servant leadership mindset of, you know, I can't run this company by myself. Uh, so my job is to take care of them um, and to give them every possible thing that they need to be successful. And if someone's not successful, the first thing that I look at is myself. Like, have I given them every possible thing that I can to make sure that they're successful in this role? Are they in the right role? And do I have unrealistic ex expectations, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I go through this huge checklist of things to make sure that I've uh, done everything in my power to make sure that they're in the right position to succeed. Um, you know, and that, that servant leadership, just making sure if that answer is no, then I, I did a horrible job. It's not their fault that they're failing. It's mine. So that's what I lead with. And that's what I try to get my direct team to lead with to their teams. Um, and it seems to, you know, lift everyone up to make sure that uh, they all know that we can fail and we need to push ourselves hard enough to fail and we're not going to get in trouble for it. I mean, I think the mindset of, um, you know, the authoritarian leadership to where people are are terrified they're going to lose their job if they make a mistake is the worst possible way to lead a company. Um, because you're never going to get innovation. You're never going to get growth. People are going to be as safe as they possibly can. Um, and they're going to leave at five and they're going to show up at eight and they're not going to give anything extra um, unless they're just terrified they're going to get fired. So that's, that's just a horrible way to lead. So everyone here knows that um, it's very difficult to get fired once you're on the team. We say it's, it's like a family and it's like marriage in the fifties. There's only one way out and that's death. <laughs> so uh, you know, that's that's kind of the mantra here. But uh, now we have had to terminate people, obviously. I mean, there are there are those there's people that need to move on. And we we do try to help them, you know, through the whole cycle, help them find better positions, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that's just kind of the mindset that we've had that I try to push down to the team and to help them lead their teams. Um, and I think that's kind of made a pretty big difference to the culture here. Dude, that's amazing. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. You know, it kind of gives me this. I've seen different illustrations of this, but it's like two, two pictures. It's like the top, it's the team members pulling the boss on like a cart and he's standing up there just like instructing and like they're pulling him. And then there's the other picture where he's actually in the front pulling the cart with the other team members and they're just going way faster. And it's like a servant leader is going to get down in the, in the, in the dirt and like work with the team. Obviously there are things that you're called to that are much higher overseeing things and making sure things are running properly. And you're, you have different roles and responsibilities, but at the same time, I think there is a component of leadership where you're coming down to their level and you're seeing eye to eye and you're like, look, I'm not asking you to do things that I wouldn't do personally or that I have done in the past to, to get to this point. Like these are things I'm not asking you to do unrealistic things. I'm, right. I'm saying play your role in the team and let's go accomplish this mission together as a group. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us getting this done. And so it sounds kind of like that's what you illustrated. And I even take it into sports. I know from my history, like in the past where I've had coaches that have been, you know, if you make a turnover or you miss a shot, like you're coming out and it's like, how do you develop that confidence? You know, and this is something I'd love to turn on to you is like, and I think you've kind of touched on, but even going deeper here is like, how do you drive confidence out of your, the people you're leading? So I think this is something a lot of people could, could benefit from hearing from your perspective of like, you're trying to not only accomplish the goal, right. But you need to make sure each person individually is at their top, at their best, to be able to provide that unique value that they have. How have you seen as a leader ways to to get that that confidence out of people? So um, I believe there was a, a story that Steve Jobs about Steve Jobs. Someone told about him as he walked into a, a room 
you know, with kind of his A players, like his direct team. And he had this uh, rock polisher. Just imagine this big thing that you put rocks in, um, you know, you turn it on and it's making tons of noise and just shaking. It's like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> um, you know, he walks out of the room, comes back a few minutes later, turns it off and takes this dirty old rock that, that wasn't there, wiped it off. And it's like this polished gym, right? Um, and he says, look, every single one of our meetings are going to go exactly like that. We're going to put in a shitty idea. Uh, we're going to keep rolling it around. We're going to scream, yell, you know, be passionate about our ideas and push it. But once we all leave this room, we have this polished gym that we all believe in, that we all ha- helped create. Um, and that's kind of how that's the kind of, I heard that story. And I was like, that is a great mindset to have um, the, with the team. So I give them kind of that freedom and flexibility to say whatever we need to say, confined in the room, you know, in the in the proper space. Uh, I accept feedback on even crazy ideas that I have. Somebody might be like, hey, that's that's dumb. Or, hey, awesome, we noticed you're doing this, um, you know, and that's not part of our culture or whatever, uh, which I would say uh, rarely happens. But I do give my team that that latitude to give me just as much feedback as I give them um, to, uh, you know, just continue to make us better. We have to sharpen the saw every single day. Uh, and push to get better. We don't want to be complacent, including myself. For sure. No, I love that. I love that illustration. And honestly, I think that makes a ton of sense. It's like, how can you create an environment, a culture where everyone feels comfortable sharing their ideas and doesn't feel like, you know, it's going to displace them or drop them down in the in the ranks. Um, but also they, you know, understand that at the end of the day, their ideas may be right or wrong. We all have to agree. And like, what is the best path forward at this time with what we've been given with what we know to make the best decision to move forward. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. And that's another thing, you know, I wanted to talk to you about was just, and it sounds like you've kind of touched on it here, but just like this concept of buy-in, you know, really good teams have a really strong sense of buy-in and just really commitment to believing in the goal. And uh, I don't know if you have any more advice on, on how to create that culture, but Obviously, it's a, it's a much different you know vibe than just showing up, clocking in and clocking out. It's like we're on a mission, like we're on a mission, guys. And it's not about me. It's not about you. How how are we going to get this done? And how are we going to all believe in it? So we, I mean, uh, it's it's very much kind of a ground up plan uh, for us. I mean, I may help set the vision, uh, but to create that buy in, every single person has input. Every single department, I tell all the leaders, like you are the CEO of your own department. Uh, if you need my help and support, that's what I'm here for. But I'm not here to run, you know, operations or marketing or supply chain specific groups. I'm here to help, you know, lead the overall company. And I'm here to be a soundboard for you. And if I can help you in any possible way, um, then that's my job um, to to help them. So with that mindset, I mean, they all feel completely confident in their ability to make decisions within their team. And if they're struggling with something, they can bring it to the entire leadership team. And we can all communicate and talk about it um, and, you know, help them on their path forward. Um, And then as far as the overall company goal, I mean, it's not a top down strategy here. I mean, obviously, I have strong opinions about where the company needs to go, but I'm not saying it's always right. Um, So we always get in a room and we talk about it. And I'm like, it's every quarter. Hey, we need to change our entire mission. Let's review everything top down. Does it need to change? Is this still the path that we need to be on? Um, and we get a consensus buy-in on, yes, it is, or, hey, we need to tweak this. It looks like the market changed a little bit from our perspective on on, on this individual piece. So um, every quarter we review that, and then every year we set kind of a whole new goal and a strategy, and we we push forward to it. That's amazing. No, I think that's, I think that's a great way to look at it, honestly. And I think 
it's a, it's exciting to know that, you know, there are cultures out there where that's possible. I think a lot of times it's like, how can you, how can you be fulfilled in your work? How can you be fulfilled in what you're doing? I think it's like understanding that we all have a unique value to bring to the table, but how is that received amongst the people you're around? And also how are you able to really dis- demonstrate and display that? And I think you, you've created a system where people can really step up to the table and really demonstrate that value that they bring and feel confident knowing that, look, I'm playing a role in this. Without me, it might not look the same, you know, but at the same time, like I know that my contribution is actually putting us forward and pushing us to the direction we're trying to go. Right. Hopefully my team says the same thing, but I think we're doing a pretty good job. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I've heard you have a a leadership tactic or strategy or, you know, thing you kind of talk through clean design build. I would love to learn more about, first off, what that is you know, for people that are listening that may have no idea what that the context there and kind of how you implement that in your process and also maybe some examples of, of what it looks like. So clean design build, uh, it's it's a concept that I uh, come up with back whenever I would feel like I'm stagnant in anything. It's just, a it was a personal thing that I would do. I would literally, if I felt like I was getting stuck, I was like, okay, let's pause. Now, what needs to be cleaned out? What's clutter, you know, either whether it's your diet, your your business, whatever it is, you know there are things that you need to clean up and that you should stop doing, like pretty much on a daily basis. If you pause and really think about it, there are things that you can remove. So what needs to be cleaned up? How do we remove all the clutter? And then what do I what do I want my life to look like, you know, 12 months, three years, five years, 10 years down the road. Now let's design that. Then reverse engineer it all the way back down to day one, what's the first step that I need to take? Then we just start to build. We start to execute every single day on that goal, that vision, that plan that we had. And every now and then, if you get off track, clean, design, build. I mean, that's kind of the the mindset and the strategy behind that. That's awesome. I love that. I think it's, you know, a lot of us, we get stuck in ruts and, you know, I don't know. I think one of the worst feelings is to be um, just kind of consumed in your your routine that maybe it's not a positive routine. And you're like, how do I break free from this? How do I how do I make a change? I make a conscious decision to change the things that are holding me back from what I can truly accomplish. And I think that model and what you just described, I think, is a perfect thing for people to take from this episode and have tangible you know, value that they can implement and actually, you know, practice. Right. I mean, uh, what I see, you know, of people that um you know, that may not be doing what they want to do in life, that they would say that their life's miserable or they hate their work or, or whatever it is. I mean, a large majority of people actually dislike what they do on a daily basis. Um, and my thoughts are there is you you have to um, really design what your life looks like. And somebody told me one time that the best life to live is one that you live by design, not by default. Wow. I think most people are just living by default because they've never taken the time to design what they want their life to look like. They've just fallen into the same pattern. It's like, look, I have to work 40 hours a week or I have to get this paycheck to be able to afford, you know, to to pay for my family, to pay for the things, um, you know, that I need on a daily basis. And that is very true. You know, it's very difficult. But you work those 40 hours, you have, what, 100 hours left that you're not sleeping that you could go put towards something else? Yes. Um you know, that most people just don't have the time to, or don't have the discipline to do that because they've never sat down and designed what they want their life to look like. For sure. I love that. I love how there's action. There's an action component to that plan, because at the end of the day, you can say, look, I don't like my situation or this or that, or I wish it was this. But unless you like you're saying consciously sit down and say, look, I'm going to 
be aware and intentional about what's going on and what direction do I want to go? And then how do I create that plan to go then execute and actually act on it? That's, I think, the missing piece because a lot of people probably recognize that they're unhappy, but it's like, what are you willing to do about it? You might have an idea of what you want to do about it, but what are you actually going to do about it? And I think that's the piece of like making that plan, strategizing and really going to execute in that time that maybe, you know, is, is outside of their current situation that they're having to do to make sure they they make ends meet. Right. And being open to opportunities. A lot of people sure. shut down opportunities because of what I call self-limiting beliefs. There's, oh, I can't do that. I've got too much on my plate or I'm not capable. I don't have the skill. I mean, there's with the day and age that we live in with all the technology and information at our fingertips. I mean, there are ways that people can change their situation quicker now than I think they have ever been able to in history. 100%. Definitely agree with you there. We're, we're in a very unique time period right now with, with a lot of opportunities if you're creative and, and go out and kind of work for it. Right. I agree for sure. Let's go. I've absolutely loved hearing your your thoughts on on leadership and and how to how to build teams and work together. I want to talk about the brand. I want to talk about Titan. I think this is a really exciting brand in the health and fitness space. I know you guys have other departments, other branches that you touch, and I'd love to hear about those as well. But I think this is a brand that I'd love for my audience to hear more about, as especially as you guys know, home gyms have become so prominent, especially since COVID. I mean, I will 10, 10, 10 out of 10 times will say I prefer working out in a home gym versus going to a gym. I think the the bonds you can create by bringing people together in that intimate setting, you know, obviously you control the rules. You know, sometimes you don't have to wear your shirt. You can play music, whatever you want to do. Um, but I would love for you to talk more about Titan what the brand is, what you guys kind of cover. And uh, again, I just have a series of questions I'd love to talk to you about so people can hear more about what you guys are doing. Awesome. Well, the concept of Titan uh, for us here is is pretty simple. It's we want to provide quality products without that premium price. Uh, we know that, um, you know, let's call it brand name shoes. It doesn't cost, you know, hundreds of dollars to build the brand name shoe. It costs pennies on the dollar, right? But the marketing and all the stuff that they put into it and and company overhead and all that stuff go into what makes that shoe uh, as high a price as it is. Similar to all products, right? Uh, you're buying the brand name. We we like to have the brand name. We're, we're pushing for brand recognition for sure, but we're trying to keep our operating margin as slim as possible. That way we can provide quality products without that premium cost. We don't, we don't think that you should have to take out a second mortgage on your home to be able to build a home gym. For sure. And I, I love that because I think, you know, I think it's just a perfect alignment with what we're trying to build here at AIM is like, we want to reach everyone and we want to meet people's needs and we want to provide that opportunity for people. Like we think that at the end of the day, everyone can benefit from being more ambitious. I think everyone should have a component of health and fitness in their life. And for you guys to step up to the plate and say, look, we're going to bring to market some of the best quality equipment in the game, but create it in a way that actually makes sense for, for people. And, and, you know, you can actually invest in this and invest in yourself, but do it in a way that that works with what you're dealing with in your situation, I think is incredible. Honestly, I really do. And I can attest to the quality. The quality is incredible. So it's like, it, it just makes sense. It's like, why would you not go with, you know, a group like you guys and especially with the mission and the values that y'all stand for. So I really enjoyed it to uh, up to this point as well. Appreciate it. I mean, you know, like I said, we just really want to, we, we want to be accessible, right? We want to provide access to premium equipment without, you know, that high cost. Uh, I believe without a company like Titan, there are several of our customers for sure 
that may have not been able to enter the fitness game or to focus on their health or wellness. So that's what really I'm passionate about is I want people to have access to quality equipment that they can trust, that they can work out with, that just helps improve their lives without them having to go into debt or, you know, put it on a credit card to be able to afford it. For sure. hundred percent. You touched on this earlier, but I want to dive in a little deeper. You guys have seen tremendous growth over the, you know, the last few years with this company, with this brand, as you guys have continued to, you know, grow, what do you think have been the biggest, I guess, factors in that growth as you being, you know, in this leadership position and kind of seeing the entire company and brand as a whole, what have been the biggest things that have caused that growth and, and been impacting that? So I would say one of the biggest things that, that um, I, well, I won't say notice, but one of the biggest things that that I wanted to attack when I got here was the customer experience piece. Um, it just seemed like there was a, lo- a little to be left to desire for the customer experience side. The packaging was a little bit off. The quality could be a little bit better. Just minor tweaks to really uh, improve the overall customer experience of the fitness equipment. Um, so that's really what we started attacking uh, first. It's how do we how do we have a better customer experience? You know, from top to bottom. It's, you know, when they receive the package, is it in good condition? Does it have all of the parts? You know, if they don't, when they call into customer service, you know, are they going to have to wait three hours to speak with someone? And then are they going to have to wait months? Are they going to have to be put through the ringer to be able to get a replacement part or a replacement piece for their their equipment? Um, so that's, that's one of the things that we review just top to bottom, the entire customer experience. And I think we really put in a plan. Um, to make sure that the customer experience here is significantly better. I know we've improved packaging. Um, we have improved quality on, I believe, every single fitness product that we offer. I know that uh, in my first year here, we cut almost 500 products that I was like, we're just not going to sell this anymore. We can't continue to churn out negative customer experience because we won't be able to outrun that eventually. So if it doesn't meet our quality standard or if we can't improve the quality for the affordable price that we want to offer it, then we don't need to sell it. Um, and that was a tough pill to swallow for, you know, some of the legacy team members. But um, again, they everyone here is very passionate about impacting as many lives positively as we possibly can um, by by pushing out the equipment at affordable price. So um, it was pretty easy to get everybody on board once we started looking through that lens. Um, and not just focusing on profits. Mm-hmm. I love how you say that. I think it's it's hard, like you said, we're, we live in a world where right now everyone is, I feel like the majority, I'm not gonna say everyone, the majority of people are short-term minded. They wanna see that instant return. But if yep. you're trying to build a legacy, if you're trying to build a staple, a, a strong brand, you have to make decisions that maybe look like you're taking a step back in the short term, but are really going to propel you forward. Like you're saying, I think you guys prioritizing the customer experience and just the customer in general, I think it's an extremely effective tactic to like say, look, we're coming to play. We're going to keep building incredible products that are high quality and we're going to try to make them affordable in that way. But we really want the experience to be so strong that these people are like a part of our family. They're a part of what we do. And so not only are they you know, supporting us in this season, but as seasons come the way they communicate it the way they you know interact with other people that will potentially be our customer like we want that to be so positive that they have nowhere else to go and i think the brands that really prioritize that end up doing really really well long term and not just in the short term right no i mean we're not perfect we're still improving you know constantly uh, i think across all of our brands we have close to three thousand different products um so 
constantly creating new products and revamping the old legacy products that we have to improve the quality and make them better. Um, and fitness specifically, uh, the packaging is something that was just very, very difficult. I don't, I think, uh, you know, from a micro level, it seems like what, just make a better box. But when you, when you apply that to, I don't know, a thousand different products, that is extremely difficult. And there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, there are multiple engineers that had to get involved in uh, packaging labs. We worked with FedEx packaging lab to like drop test uh, wow. everything. Um, you know, even some of our barbells where uh, I'm not going to say which company does it, but you know, some of the packages that are delivered, they just drag it up the driveway and an end cap would pop off and the, the barbell would be drug on concrete. So trying to improve that um, and just be ready for every single thing that um, those carriers uh, can throw at packages is is the biggest part. Because when it leaves our warehouse, I can promise you it is pristine. Like our team knows that if they would not deliver that to their mother, then they should not let it go out the door. Wow. So once it leaves, it, they go through a beating for sure um, through all these different carriers. Uh, and, and once they get to the customer, we still want it to be as in as best shape as possible, at least the product. For sure. No, I love that. I think that's super smart. It makes a ton of sense. Outside of those things that you've already mentioned, what what else do you think makes Titan stand out so well in the in the space? And you know, maybe if you wanted to compare it from other fitness companies out there, like what what are some other reasons that you guys are such a strong brand to to use? Uh, I think we entered the market at a pretty unique place. There were, you know, there was the top end um, market um, to where again it's it's pretty expensive to have some of that equipment. Um, and then you have the lower end, like say, you know, some from the big box stores, like a, a Walmart or, or something like that, that, um, you know, for your entry level person, uh, you know, say a, a teenager or somebody just getting into fitness, some of that stuff's okay. Uh, I was actually at my mom's house a couple of weeks ago and she still had some old concrete weights, you know, that were wrapped in plastic that I think my dad got me from Walmart when I was like 12, you know, uh, now they're busted up and they definitely didn't last. I don't know why she still has them in her garage, but, um, you know, you've get, you had that level of product and then you had kind of your, your rogues and sorenecks and, and even higher than that, uh, equipment. And we really just wanted to attack that middle market. Like, Hey, we see these products, we can make this product at a much more affordable price uh, than what's on the market for pretty much the same quality. I mean, a lot of our competitors get stuff from the exact same place as we do, literally. Um, and we'll see the price that they put it up there for. And we're like, man, you know, that is just almost robbery. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we, we try to be very fair with our customers. We operate on a, a slimmer margin. Uh, we're not here, you know, trying to uh, you know, just crush millions and millions of dollars uh, in profit if it means, you know, uh, somebody in the fitness industry can't get healthy or or can't afford fitness equipment, um, you know, on their journey. We want to take care of everyone. Obviously, we are a for-profit company, so that does matter. Um, but at the same time, it's it's not at the uh, it's not at the risk of, you know, pushing people out of the market who can't afford it. That's incredible, man. I, I have a lot of respect for that. I have a lot of respect for what you guys are building and continuing to see all this growth and excitement and just energy around the brand is really, really cool. I want to talk to you too about partnerships and alignment with other organizations, other you know companies and brands, because I know that's a that's a really interesting space for, for companies right now is how can you partner with someone that's like-minded and have mutual value being exchanged to continue to grow? 
what is y'all's kind of, first off, what is y'all's kind of like philosophy with the groups and the, and the teams and the brands that you partner with? And I would love to hear more about, you know, what some of those partnerships look like. So, I mean, as you probably know, I mean, we, we get requests or contacted multiple times a day, even of, Hey, we'd love to partner with you. Can you send us some free equipment? Um, you know, can we do this? Can we do that? Can we exchange certain things, uh, whatever it may be. And that it goes through a pretty, you know, I would say rigorous, uh, test to decide on who we partner with. I mean, they need to have, uh, aligned values, especially on the bigger ones, um, that we partner with like Spartan, uh, races. That's somebody that we partnered with Joe DeSena. He has an absolute incredible mindset. I mean, on just work ethic and kind of living like a hard life and, and not making things easy. I love what he's done with Spartan um, and the stuff that they continue to push out there. Uh, RFK Racing, I mean, it's one of the elite teams. They came to us and they were wanting to create a human performance center uh, for their team. They didn't just want free equipment just to call as many companies as they can. They specifically wanted Titan because they thought that our values aligned. Um, so the team over there is great. They're awesome. Uh, we love the we love the gym that they put together. We've gone out to some of their races. And I mean, they just have a, an incredible mindset. Um, and we share very similar values uh, to those teams. So that's kind of one of the things that we look at um, before we just jump into a big partnership with someone is make sure that our, our values kind of align. We're all on the same mission, even though it could be very different industries. Um, we just want to make sure that we are all kind of, you know, uh, marching to the same beat so we don't have any conflicts there in the future. Um, we've worked with, you know, some NFL players and NFL teams, uh, some major league baseball teams, you know, but we, we, we're not ones to really like promote that. Like, Oh, look at us. We worked with a, a high profile person because again, we believe in the product. We believe in what we have. And if they want to share it, then they will. Um, and if they want to give us a shout out, then we appreciate that. Um, but you know, we're not out there just trying to, you know, work with the the Kardashians or anything to give us a post on Instagram. For sure. It's awesome. No, I love it. Yeah. The, the Spartan, I think partnerships, obviously incredible. We've Joe's been super kind to come on the show as well. And so we've, we're, we're big fans of, of Spartan and what they do. And the fact that you guys are all really, you know, connected and working together is, is really special. Um, that's super cool, man. That's amazing. I want to talk more about the future goals for not only you personally, but also the brand kind of the direction you guys are headed, but I'll, I'll split it into two questions. So first for you personally, um, as much as you're willing to share, like, whether it's personal or professional, what are some goals or some things that you're currently working on or excited about for, for the rest of the year? So for the rest of the year, uh, personally, so I have uh, two sons, I'm obviously married. Um, my oldest son's a baseball player. So really, you know, trying to do what my parents did for me, instill that work ethic where it's very different. You know, he's not running heavy equipment, but it's still like, um, you know, look, if you want to play at that next level, let's say you want to be a D1 athlete or even major league baseball player, you need to be working like them right now. But like, you don't need to wait and let that catch up to you. So that's that's one of my personal goals is just really trying to instill that same level of work ethic in him as my parents did for me um, and just holding him accountable to those, uh, you know, kind of those standards. Um, and then as far as uh, I guess alongside that personal goals of mine. Um, I just, I make it a point to try to read at least a book a month to constantly get better um, and make sure that I never think that I'm complacent or that I know it all. Um, I'm ex I expand into multiple different categories. It's not all just business or like self-help stuff. 
Um, I went back and read uh, some psychology books, uh, you know, just really trying to push myself and stay up with the times. Obviously, AI is a huge thing right now. And I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I can learn there. And I just love the challenge of constantly challenging my mindset to get better. That way, um, in five years, what type of CEO do I need to be? And I'm constantly trying to make sure that I'm looking forward at least five years or 10 years ahead to say, hey, what's going to impact us the most and how can I best prepare myself uh, to be, be to be ready for that? So that's just a constant thing that I work on, I would say. Um, but for the next six months, really focusing in on honing some of those skills. It's incredible. I love how there's a common theme of successful people that are also leaders constantly trying to improve themselves. There's never a complacency for the people that are really elite and at the top. It's always like, how can I read more? How can I listen to more podcasts? How can I do this, go to this event to learn? Like it's always that constant evolution of just like becoming a better person and becoming a better leader. And I think you obviously embody that. And that's why you guys, I'm sure at least not, it's a piece of why you guys are having so much success. So I really appreciate that. What about for the brand perspective? Like what, what are you guys working on? Are there any exciting things in the pipeline that you'd like to share? Or, um, you know, things that you guys are working on. So, I mean, new product development is definitely something that we work on. We're trying to be more um, innovative in some of our products. We're definitely putting things through more rigorous tests than we used to in the past. Uh, we have some really exciting equipment coming out over the next probably three to six months. Um, and then the next 12 months will be, uh, I think, I think customers will be very excited about a lot of the stuff that we're about to come out with. Um, and then, you know, just continue to push the brand out there to align with people, you know, like yourself and, you know, the RFKs and the Spartans out there um, to just continue to touch as many people as possible. I mean, the mission's still the same, it's just execute on it and continue to get better. Dude, let's go. You get me fired up, man. I love it. I'm excited to to support you guys in any way I can and just continue to see all the awesome growth, but not only the growth, but just the impact that you guys are having. Again, you know, you guys are very true to your mission and it's a mission that I personally want to get behind and hopefully I can help more people and, and support you guys in any way possible. Awesome. I appreciate that. Absolutely. I, I love wrapping up these interviews and this has been so incredible. I'm, I'm so grateful for your time and all the value you're bringing to our show. Um, but just like some advice, you know, I think a lot of times people just need a little bit of, you know, just something they can they can take and just kind of carry on with them. But for anyone that's listening that wants to be an, an aspiring entrepreneur or in a high leadership position as a CEO, what kind of advice would you give them as they're looking to grow their careers? Um, I think we have a lot of people that listen to the show that look for that motivation, that inspiration to make change in their life or to try to shoot for things they want to attain. What's that advice that you would give them um, just to take away from this episode? There are, I guess there are a handful of things that I constantly remind myself of. One is you have to have a routine. I think, um, you know, whether it's you're a night owl or an early riser, me, myself, I'm an early riser, um, get up around four o'clock every single day and just kind of start my day and attack it. Um, now, there are some people that work till two or three o'clock in the morning, and that is fine, too, as long as you're getting those hours in and you're working hard and making sure that you crush it on every single thing that you do. Um, I think that is crucial, um, a crucial mindset to have. The other is I kind of um, and this might be a little controversial, but I separate people in my life as fountains and drains. Those are people that give me life and those are people that take life away. I actively try to remove all of the drains from my life, all the negativity, um, every single person that if I have a conversation with them or if I'm around them consistently, 
and I just feel drained when I'm done, I have to limit that exposure. Now, I'm not saying you cut them out of your life completely, but we all have those people that are around us that, you know, either try to bring us down to their level, or if we ever give a good idea that we think is is awesome and great, they have something negative to say about it. You have to remove those people. Um, you can't let them, you know, bring you down. Um, the third thing that I kind of focus on is I think most people that are successful have a little bit of imposter syndrome and that's what drives them. It's like, am I really good enough to be sitting in this seat? You know, what do I need to be doing every single day to push myself? So if anybody, you know, listening has those thoughts of like, maybe I'm not good enough. Most people that achieve a high level, they, they think the same things. That's why they constantly push themselves every single day to get better because, you know, there's a little voice in there that's like, somebody's trying to take it away from you. So you need to work harder. Um, and then, I mean, there's just no way to get around the work ethic and reading books and pushing yourself and trying to learn as much as you possibly can about whatever uh, you want to do in life. The The access to information is abundant right now. So there's just no excuse uh, showing up to something or wanting to attack something that you're not prepared for. Um, so read as much as you can, learn as much as you can, work as hard as you possibly can. And I promise you great things will happen. Dude, let's go, bro. That was amazing. You're you're awesome, man. I thank you so much. I've got a few rapid fire questions, just kind of quick hitters to finish this off. But sure. I think that's really, really good advice for all the people listening. And I know that there's not only that question, but all the other things you've said today have been really, really valuable. But for the quick hitters, what is your what is your style of training? Like, how do you when you go to the gym when you work out? What how are you kind of training and working out? So I break it down in three different things: there's stability, mobility, and strength. Uh, I used to just be solely focused on strength. Let's lift as much freaking weight as I possibly can. Um, and then I started thinking I want to be able to walk when I'm 80, 85. So uh, I started focusing on stability of joints, just making sure we're we're exercising those stabilizer muscles. That way, when you stand up out of a chair, you're not aching. Um, and then also mobility. I do a lot of stretching every single morning before my my sets. And then some days, some sections of workouts, I, I break it down in 12-week cycles. It's stability focused, mobility focused, and strength focused. But there's a component to all three of those in every single cycle. It's just heavier in some some cycles than others. That's really cool. Favorite book that you've read, either you're currently reading or in the last season of of pursuing this higher education of reading books. <clears throat> um, the my favorite book, I think the book that's impacted me the most. Well, there are two two books that have impacted me the most as far as um, career goes. That's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And there's a workbook that you can get that comes along with it that really gets introspective and deep into like who you actually are. And you have to be real with yourself. And a lot of people can't reflect and, and do that. So it really helps um, dig in there. Uh, and then the other one, um, I mean, gosh, there's just there's just so many good to great. Uh, that would be a, a top notch one for me. Um, if you want to lead a company or if you want to be successful in leadership, good to great is definitely something that you should read. So I would say those two are probably the top ones. Let's go. And last one, how is your home gym set up? My home gym set up? You have a good uh, home gym set up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would, say, <laughs> I would say it's pretty sick. Um, you know, I have a uh, power rack and anything that you could possibly think of. That's, that's what I have. So uh, I don't have any LED lights or anything. It's kind of raw, but I go in there and just get work done. I love it. I'm sure I'm sure your kids don't mind it. I'm sure they uh, appreciate it, especially as, as they're athletes and uh, pursuing sports. I'm sure they're like, dang, I've got it pretty good. Absolutely. <laughs>
Let's go, man. But dude, Austin, I cannot thank you again for coming on the show. This has been an incredible episode. I'm so excited for more people to learn more about your story. And honestly, what you guys are doing at Titan, it's truly remarkable. And just hearing more about your mission and, and the way you're leading people is, is awesome. And, and I just really appreciate you coming on the show today. No problem at all, man. I thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Let's go. Thank you guys so much for listening to another great episode of the AIM podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation, and if you found value in it, I ask that you kindly share this with a friend. We want to continue to grow this community and help more and more people every single day. If you have any questions for me, if I can ever help you anyway, please reach out to me at Doug Elks on all social, and I'd be happy to help you out. Let's get after this week. Let's crush it, and as always, keep ambition in mind.